Three, two, we're live. One, go. <laughs> well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Overtime. Overtime is our weekly podcast where we get to do a little bit deeper dive into the weekend message. We're so glad that you're joining us, whether you're watching us live, it looks like we've got a couple people there, or you're catching us via podcast or catching us on the website. Thanks so much or for joining us. Or on Facebook us. later. Or Facebook later, that's right. There's a lot of different ways that pickle. you can view it. That snap is pretty good in these microphones. That's what I was thinking. So uh, what we want to do is just kind of give you a couple updates um, specifically about Easter as we get closer. So on the day that we're recording this, this is on March 23rd. So not this Sunday, but next Sunday on April 4th, that is Easter. Happy Easter, everyone. If you do not have a location or church where you have the opportunity to be a part of their church service or be a part of their activities, we would love to invite you to what's happening here at the Christian Life Center. We have got a plethora of things that Whoa, are big word. Big yeah, word. That's the word of the day. I saw it on Sesame. No, I didn't. I, I don't watch Sesame Street. I have no reason to. Um, but we've got a ton of different things that are happening, um, and we want to draw your attention to our website. So that's probably the best place to get all the details. I'll try and give you a recap now, but if you have any questions, go to clcfamily.church slash Easter, or if you just go to clcfamily.church, kind of on the homepage, you'll see a button there that says Easter. You're welcome to kind of just see all of the information. We've got several services that are happening on that 4th where there's a 9 o'clock service that is in person and also in our parking lot. We've got a 11 o'clock service that is strictly outside and kind of drive-in but also online. Um, and also that 9 o'clock is online. And then 5 o'clock we've got a service online as well. So those are the services. But we I'm going to go show things. it. Look at this. Ooh, snap. Yeah. That's nice. So yeah. you can see that on the screen. So, so clcfamily.church. If you're watching, we've got some pretty cool uh, pictures and graphics there. So that website will give you all the information about the things that are happening. Also, we've got several events that are happening that week. There's some preschool things. Uh, no, it's elementary school things. El elementary yeah. Kindergarten things. to fifth grade on Thursday. Yep. Yeah, that'll be on that Thursday. We've got like a Good Friday service that is kind of focusing on using the screen and outdoors in kind of a reflective time. Um, we've also got from March 28th through April 10th, we have got a geocaching um, scavenger egg hunt, which we're pretty excited for. There's three different levels that you can be a part of. It can be the easy, medium, or if you feel brave, you can go for the hard level of that. It's all throughout the church uh, parking Prop, lot, yeah. the property, like if you click on those things, if you scan one of those QR codes with your phone, it'll give you more information and the details for that. As well as we've got a Easter egg kits that we're giving away that you can take one home if you want to hide eggs yourself. Also a blessings kit that if you want to give one to a neighbor or maybe hide those eggs for a neighbor or something. Um, yeah, there's a ton of different things. And then even a community wide egg hunt which is just kind of drawing on a piece of paper, uh, coloring and decorating your egg, and then putting that in a window or a windowsill. So as people drive by, they can actually see that. So there's a ton of different things that we are excited for. We want you to get involved. We want you to participate if that is what you're looking to do. Again, clcfamily.church slash Easter for all of that information. So that's a lot of announcements, but we're excited for Easter. There's a lot of things going on there. So with that, we'll kind of change back into our regularly scheduled program where we will kind of recap. This week was week three of the official SENT study guide, or just SENT for short. Um, can you give us a recap of what we talked about? Yeah, so I'm uh, really excited about that. Um, I, again, it's, it's going to take a few more weeks to resolve this and actually be SENT, but we're getting there. We're getting there close. A couple more weeks of preparation and 
So if you imagine kind of that whole idea of the whole sermon series is, you know, when you prepare for the SATs or the ACTs, you have all these prep books and these practice tests. And so what we have here is Jesus is going to actually initiate and ignite this whole movement of the gospel, the church, what we have 2,000 years later, through 12 individuals. You have these, uh, what he calls apostles. And prior to sending them out, there's um, some different things that happen, some different scenarios that kind of play out. In each of those scenarios, you go, ah, there's probably something we can learn here in preparation for being sent the same way the disciples were. So obviously Jesus, uh, being providential, meaning he sees all things, works in all things, knows all things, and moves in all things, right? He's always, always bending and shaping all things for our good and his glory. And so in all these moments, he is bending and shaping things for our good and his glory. And so what we've seen last couple weeks is that what we're learning about is the way by which the kingdom of God, which we're being sent to participate in, the way that the kingdom of God is initiated in us, through us, is actually through, the scriptures say, through faith. Now, Paul tells us in the book of Romans that faith comes from hearing, and hearing comes from the word of Christ. And yeah. so, in that, what we what we kind of been learning about is that the way that by which this plays out in our lives comes into us, goes out through us in the process of being prepared to be sent. Jesus is preparing us for what he has prepared for us. And we've kind of been looking at these kind of four steps. The first one is you hear about it. So, so profound that the way by which this gets initiated is by hearing. This is really, really profound if you think about it because 97% of the people in Jesus' day, particularly these Galilean Jews, would not have known how to read or write. They're completely illiterate. So when you think about that, we had live in this world now where we kind of read, learn on our own, yeah. do our own thing, even with all this now new learning, very little of its lecture style. But, right. you know, 2,000 years ago, the only way by which they were hearing the word of God was someone would stand up on a stage. Someone would stand up on a platform. Someone should stand up on the side of a lake and they would read or declare these words. Either a prophet would speak it, or they would read from a prophet where it was written. And one person, very few could read, would read it, and everybody else would listen. And what Jesus uses Paul to tell us is that faith, this way by which we access the kingdom of God, is initiated in us by hearing, and hearing, hearing, hearing. Hearing something. So what are we hearing? Hearing the word of Christ. So first step always is to hear about it. So as we prepare in this for, you know, to get sent, as we'll see in a couple weeks, our first step is to hear about it. Then after hearing about it, next step is actually to think about it, right? Victor Frankl says that space between stimuli and response, really, really important space. So we think about it in the scriptures. That's called repentance. Like when John the Baptist showed up, he says, repent for the kingdom of God is near. What he's saying is hear about it and then change the way you think about it and then your behaviors will change. So you hear about it then you think about it, then you speak about it. As you repent, you start to speak about it. Here's what's so crazy. As you begin to speak about it, you actually bring about it. And you go, that sounds really, really strange. And I've offered over and over again some different things, like the words have been said to us, that how they've created some pain in our life, all that kind of stuff. But even beyond that, what's really neat about this passage is we see why speaking is so important. Because the passage that we're looking at today, or looked at Sunday, was Jesus, after being tired, after spending a lot of time with people, being overwhelmed by people from these little bitty towns from all over. They're traveling. There are thousands of people. This is mind-blowing. These people would have never seen anything like these crowds ever in their life. Jesus, after doing that, he decides to go across the Sea of Galilee, and he hops in a boat with his disciples, and it, he falls asleep in a very uncomfortable spot, probably, and he falls asleep. And in the middle of that moment, 
fear fills that boat through a storm. Fear fills their life through a storm. And they, they realize the word, we'll talk about a lot today, what they were perishing. And so what do they do? They wake up Jesus because they came to the conclusion that they're perishing. And so how does Jesus bring salvation to them in the boat? He speaks to a storm. He literally speaks to it. So now we see this picture. The reason that, that, that we hear about it, we think about it, and then we speak about it is because the Spirit of the living God is active in us or available to us. And if the Spirit of the living God is available to us, then the way by which he implemented peace, shalom in the world, was by speaking it. And so it makes sense that we would get to participate in the same thing. And we'll see in a couple of weeks when Jesus explicitly tells them to speak about. But first hear about it, think about it, then speak about it. So we got to see that Jesus was not just the God of their lives or the God of the supernatural heavenly realms. He was the God of the natural. The storms listened to him. So big idea is Jesus speaks about it. We get to hear about it. We get to think about it. And then we get to consider it as we start to speak about it. And we start to bring about it. And that conclusion comes from a place of awareness and clarity that many of us don't have. And that's why this idea that they came to the conclusion, I mean, they probably tried to fix the boat first. They probably tried to fix the water first, but they came to the conclusion that they were perishing, which leads to the last thing we kind of wrapped up with is Jesus says, everyone who wants to, like whoever wants to gain their own life on their own will actually end up losing it because they haven't come to the conclusion that they're actually perishing. But whoever loses their life comes to the conclusion that they're actually perishing, actually gains their life because guess what they do? The same thing the disciples did. What did the disciples do when they realized they were perishing? They ran to Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He spoke peace and calm over the situation. So do you recognize that you're perishing? And are you willing to run to Jesus so he can speak this and we could hear it and apply it to our lives. So really, really important next step for many of us in trying to figure out, do we have become the conclusion that we're perishing? Have we ran to Jesus as our boats are filling up with fear? Yeah. So really, really lots to consider. Yeah. So just as a reminder, one of the things that we say quite often on the podcast is if you haven't already listened to that weekend message, we would encourage you to always start there. The idea is that this is always kind of the second part of that conversation, a little bit deeper dive. So sometimes we'll be able to review some of the things that were talked about, but it's usually on a level that we're building off of what we talked on Sunday. So would encourage you to start there if you haven't done so. You can always come back to this. This will be hosted on our website as, as well as wherever you get your, your podcasts. You can listen to that. Um, yeah, so as we jump into this, there there was some review, and I think that this is part of the series that hearing it. So it's the kingdom of God is how we get into it is based on faith. The way that we develop or have that faith is that we have to hear it, think about it, speak about it, and then we bring about it. And it being the kingdom of God. Right. And as we as we kind of look at this, one of the things that you've done for all three weeks, and I'm not sure if it was built in this way or if it just it kind of developed this way, is that each week we've looked at Romans to kind yeah. of get a, a little bit more of an understanding. And we have that benefit today yeah. because we have the full text of, of the Bible, yeah. but the disciples didn't. So what you've done is you've kind of explained through Paul's writings, which came years and years after Christ, you know, his as he walked the earth. So Paul's writings come years later, kind of giving a fuller explanation. And so you started actually in Romans, I think it was chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. So even last week, I think you did, what, 9 and 10, maybe even a few more. So verses, I started with 17 two weeks earlier because yeah. that's where uh, it says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing comes to the word of Christ. Right. Okay, well, what does he mean by that, right? Yeah. So one of the neat things is when the disciples would have heard this for the very first time, when they would have been on the boat, obviously Paul is Saul. Right. Now, as Luke is writing this, 
the reality is a lot of Paul's letters are actually circulating. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, these can kind of overlay each other. And right, you go, right. well, Paul, in his really interesting way of communicating, explains a lot of this. But Jesus actually just is the most brilliant communicator always, yeah. always in a, is in a place to help us see the kingdom of God, understand how we get to experience it. Actually models what Paul is writing about. So Paul's going, here's how all this works, right? You got to see it. That a bunch of people thought that they could earn their salvation, right? They thought they could follow the law to the letter and everything would be good. And they didn't actually have the knowledge yet that they couldn't do that. And they definitely didn't have the knowledge that God actually understood and knew they wouldn't do it and gave them this thing called grace, which was this gift of going, oh, Jesus can do this for me, right? And so going, hey, many of you Jews think that you have to perform well, but the problem is, is you can't actually perform well and do the right thing. So what you do is you pretend to perform well, but that gets really, really bad when your boat is actually filling with water, right? So what do you do then? So Paul goes, hey, it's actually those of you who have come to the conclusion that you can't fix yourself. And come to the conclusion that that doesn't mean you should be devastated and hopeless because Jesus came to offer you salvation. And the way that you get in on it is all of a sudden your eyes are open by these words that you hear. You hear it. You hear about the salvation. And all of a sudden you move from ignorance to awareness. Like it's really the Oh my goodness, my boat is filling up with water. So what I really like about this is we see how faith is a is activated all through Jesus. So Paul tries to help us understand it. And just candidly, most of us really struggle with Paul's writings because there's all the commas and not that many periods. It's hard to kind of follow. So to see these together, I thought was just helpful, particularly how does faith get activated? Where does it get initiated from God? Oh, it's faith through the word of Christ. Okay, how is Paul going to help us see where that is? And And he kind of starts it going, see, the people who don't get this are the ones who are still trying to follow the letter of the law. So yeah. Yeah, and I, I feel like it's, if you've ever, if you're a believer or if you've ever just tried to read the book of Romans, man, from chapter one, like just reading it through, it's really complicated, mm-hmm. really challenging. So I feel like it's it's great when we can kind of understand bits and parts as we look at, you know, God's word, as we look at what Christ said, as we look at his life and allow the Bible to kind of interpret itself. So for those of you, uh, you know, the two of you and my mom who... who participate with us on this i'll share with you kind of news so back this summer late spring early summer i really felt like god was like hey josh as you're actually starting to get to understand my heart of who jesus is i think it's time for you to teach and help everybody understand who i am so okay how do we do that well how do we have to give people certainty about you jesus oh let's go read the gospels and so i felt like he was clearly saying i want you to teach through the book of luke yeah. and so i've been doing that feel pretty good about it we're not halfway there yet, <laughs> so we're still ways down the road. But I think, I think, just so you know, I want to prepare you, maybe 2023, not, not even kidding here. I think Romans is probably the next book. Okay. Now that we understand the heart of Jesus, let's really, really go, okay, what is actually at work here and how does this happen? So really, really neat. So for those of you who join us here, I think, not, I'm not positive yet, really feel like that's probably where we're going next. I won't start working on material for that for another year at least, yeah. but I think that's where we're probably going next. Yeah, and if you thought so. Luke was long, I'm sure Romans will be much longer. I mean, uh, I think I can only teach. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. You're going to be taking it one verse at a time. Mm. We'll, we'll see. Anyway, um, yeah, so as we look at this, Romans gives us kind of a, a more full or complete understanding because we have his words. Part of what you were talking about was that the uh, our activity usually determines our identity, but our identity really, uh, our identity in Christ is what should determine our activity. Yeah, so that's the switch flip, right? Yeah. So that's what Paul talks about is some of you just don't have the knowledge, right? 
Of course you would try to get the best job, earn the most money, have the most things. Why wouldn't you if you didn't have a better understanding of how this world works, right? Your goal is to be the most productive, most, you know, producing, most, you know, complete person there is. And so that's, and seek after all the pleasure you can, find all the people you can, right? Right, right. So of course you would do that. Unless, unless, unless you come to the conclusion that your boat is filling with water, right? And then, and you can't get the water out with the buckets. And once you come to that conclusion, then all of a sudden you start looking for the hope of the world and looking for a better solution. And so, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And Paul's just going, hey, here's a, eventually, hopefully you'll come to the conclusion that you're, the amount of water that's filling your boat right now that's going to sink it is coming in faster than you can expel the water out of your boat. And if you can get there like the disciples did, then all of a sudden you either are completely out of luck or you can go run to the person who can fix it. So this is the logical starting point for most of us. We don't look for God until we have to. But for those of us who come to that conclusion, Paul's going, welcome to the club of awareness. Really, really important gift. Now, let me explain to you, now that you have awareness what this looks like, it is not your activity that determines who you are. So, so crazy. It's actually who you are, that God says you are, that will determine what you do, your activity. So this is that awareness. It literally is like, it's the inverse operation of everything you've ever done. No, no, don't do that. I got to have God tell me who I am and then go and live out of that. And so we're going to see that begin with the disciples, which is really important because he's about to send them on a really, really difficult journey in just a few weeks for us, right? And we're going to see that if they don't have their identity first, then their activity is going to be really, really messed up. Yeah. Was there anything else from Romans that you wanted to talk about? Because we're going to jump into to Luke, but really in Luke, there's only about three verses that we look at this week. So was there anything else in Romans or should we just jump in into Luke 8, uh, starting in 22? Yeah, I guess you say that. I'm like, no, there's more. No, you're right. There's more verses. Plus, you know, I added some more. But yeah, no, nothing yeah, else right. in Romans. Okay. So as we jump into this, this has always been one of, I don't know why, one of my favorite stories. I think that there's something amazing that happens here that the disciples begin to look at Jesus maybe a little bit differently. I think Mm -hmm. that that's why part of uh, the reason that I I like this. But here we go. In verse 22, it says, One day, so this is some period of time has has changed. Like it's not right after those things, but it is where Luke chronologically puts it. So one day um, he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, Let's go across to the other side of the lake. And if I remember correctly, there's a series of several things that happen as he crosses the lake. Um, and then kind of, is this where he goes across the lake and comes back? Or am I confusing that with another time? So there's there's two different stories that we see here. There's one where he's sleeping, which is just hilarious. There's another one where he's surfing, right? Yeah. So this right, is the right. this is okay. the surfing, not okay. the sleeping. Okay. I mean, this is the sleeping, not the surfing, right? Gotcha. So gotcha. he is not, this is not the one where he walks on water. That's a different story. It's like... Oh my goodness, it's so funny because they freak out then too. And yeah. it's like, we're never going back on this Twice. water. Sorry. Yeah. Never going back on the Sea of Galilee. You know, I was talking to the samples, Duffy and Lori, after the church service, and they were talking about like being over there in oh, Israel. Okay. I got to get over there. Yeah, I got man, to. I you got to. We all got to. But anyway, they said they got there, and you know, it's six miles wide, 12 miles, but. On a clear day, six miles, like if you've ever been on a beach, you can see so yeah. far down. So you're like, oh, I can almost see some some ranges over there. Doesn't seem right. I could swim across this. No, you can't. But it feels that way. And they're like, doesn't even make any sense. Like, is, why were they so scared? And then they said they were staying on the Sea of Tiberias that night. In the middle of the night, they heard this loud banging. And they're thinking, hey, there's been some missiles over in Tel Aviv. Like, so they thought it was that. Okay. And they looked out, and they said it was one of the craziest storms they've ever seen okay. and now all of a sudden you get to that storm you're yeah. right in the middle of that three miles from shore either way you're going to die and yeah, so you right. see those things it's like 
ah, see, like, there's just something about that. That's why I wanted to show the pictures of it on the screen. They're going, it's big, six miles, 12 miles. This is yeah. a significant journey. It's 200 feet deep now. So we're, we're adding at least 50, if not 100 more feet to the mm -hmm. deepest parts then in the middle of that thing. So it's deep. This is a not. This is not like a little bitty lake. Yeah. That I mean, this is think, you know, think like right in the middle of uh, Chesapeake Bay kind yeah. of thing. You right, know. Right. So I mean, not that big, but yeah. yeah. And and so in my study of these these passages, so he goes across the, the lake. So they set out, and that's the end of verse twenty two. And as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filled, uh, and they were filled with water and were in danger. That's the end of, of verse twenty three. So so what from what I understand. Kind of a small lake, but not all that small. Like yeah. it's still six miles by eleven or twelve yeah. miles. And from what I understand, storms were commonplace there. Like you, you talked a little bit about this Sunday, and I think I, I might have been distracted at the moment. But storms were pretty commonplace. And how were you distracted? I'm, I thought I was really engaging. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like was, I'm like, hey, look see, at I'm me. hosting online at oh, the same time, so I'm sure that I was just greeting someone. Oh, oh. sorry, meat and pickle. <laughs> Keep moving the mic away because I got these mics in the lap. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so research I did I was reading some, and typically late afternoon, early evening, maybe a little bit later in the night. Yeah, that the wind really picks up. Right, right. And this is important. You see it in this thing. Uh, Where is it? Um, uh, uh, in, in one of the passages, maybe not in this one, it talks about it being, they, they, they set out, they sailed out, right? Yeah. So it's like, this is a sailed boat, which, I mean, this isn't like row, row, row your boat. Right, right. This is a sailboat. And look, they weren't, they weren't rich people. Yeah. These are fishermen. So they had a big enough boat for four people and some fish, right? And so if you go watch The Chosen, the very first one, it's so beautiful of seeing like that story. And I mean, you know, they take some artistic liberties, but it's so beautiful. And we have evidence because the seas recited so much, or receded so much. It didn't recite. It didn't tell us anything. So it receded so much, and they found they found like what they call Peter's boat or the Capernaum yeah. boat. Yeah. And it's small. Yeah, it's like maybe fourteen feet. Yeah. And there would have been possibly like a little bit in the front, like a hole where you could like tuck it under in there. But like we're talking about. Jesus would have been in the fetal position yeah. and probably outside of where rain would hit, right? So this is it. This is small. Yeah. This is small and scary. So any amount of water, that thing's really dangerous. And this doesn't have, like, it, it's made out of wood, yeah. right? It's made out of wood. So it, it's a pretty dangerous thing in the, middle of the, in the middle of a place where basically they had come to the conclusion if something supernatural doesn't happen, they're all going to die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And by the way, they would have known fishermen who would have died. Yeah. So this isn't like, this is like the deadliest cat, catch, right. right? Like, they they would have known the cost of this and yeah. when to go. And so there probably would have been some conversation knowing how storms go. Like, if you're in Florida, you know in the mid-afternoon in the summer, it's going to rain. Yeah. It's going to rain and it's going to get sunny again. And so they would have been aware, probably, of how storms come about. They, these are yeah. these are guys who are aware of these things. They do it for a living. And so even the idea that they would have set out then right. may have actually required some faith on their part to go, hey, yeah. we're... Uh, you sure about that? And then when they get in the boat, Jesus just, he takes a nap. Like, he's literally sleeping. So, again, I wish I could preach for two hours because it's like, there's so much to the story that's just so amusing in yeah. this. And so you can imagine as that wind howls, it's like, they are freaked out. And Jesus is literally asleep. Like, yeah. it's not even bothering him. So just lots to consider in that. Going, this is, 
this is life or death. This yeah. isn't all, you know, poor little guys, their boat's going to get messed up. Yeah, I do think that yeah. it's important to point out that men, at least three or four of these guys were fishermen. This was their trade. They lived, they worked, they were yeah. professionals on this lake. This is how they made their livelihood. Yeah. And probably how their fathers made their livelihood. Yeah. Like, and it so, was one of their boats. Yes. So I think it's so... Which is crazy. how they made their livelihood, yeah. right? Right. So... Oh, I did say in 23, and they sailed. Sorry, so that's where it was. So it's like, yeah, yeah these are wind sails somehow in that. Yeah, so I think that that's important to, to point out is that I, I do wonder and speculate. I wonder if they were a little bit nervous, like, before they even left. Because from what I understand, it's the, the mountains. As the wind kind of comes over the mountains or yeah. something like that, it creates these So, um, like, if you imagine storms. walking in downtown New York City, yeah, right, with the big buildings, the yeah. way that, I mean, just all funnels. the wind has to funnel to a place, so it yeah. just kind of picks it up. Same kind of thing kind of fits in that way. We lived in Billings, and we lived in, like, below some rim rocks, and it would just... It would just okay. howl like in a circle. Like you see that even in sports stadiums, yeah. where like the wind does really crazy things because it's like in this bowl. So all the wind's got to go somewhere, right? Yeah. Wind starts and it's got to. It doesn't just stop. It goes somewhere. And so if it's all d- funneled in a specific direction, that's scary. So yeah, this is very, very yeah. significant and scary. And like I still can't. Like I hate watching movies where you see like the perfect storm or whatever. Okay. I cannot watch it because it. It is like the idea of that kind of storm on a little boat. Like yeah. even when I ride with friends who like go straight into the wave, like I hate them. Like I don't want anything to do with it. Like I am scared of boats on the ocean for that yeah. reason because it's different. Because it's like I don't like deep sea fishing because like I see like hey, there's a storm over there. You see that? I saw lightning. It's yeah. time to go in, right? So, I mean, obviously these guys could handle the water, but yeah. this was so significant that these guys also who can handle the water. Yeah, we're, we're, at, this we're at their yeah. limit, right? They, they were they were scared. They were fearful. They yeah. were. The, you said that that word "perishing" there meant permanent destruction. That's exactly right. right. Good job. Like, what, good, good work. <laughs> yep. So they are perishing. They are. This is permanent. Yeah. Like this is like, and you think about this when you think about that term, like um, you think about like a car wreck, and you get bad news that someone got in a wreck, and yeah. you hear that they're uh, they're bad, but they're going to fully recover. Yeah. Versus you hear the word that's permanent. Right, right, right. The, those two different types of language, recovery versus permanent damage, those are two significantly different right, emotions right. for all of us. And so, what this what this word is saying here is that it is it is perishing. This is permanent. We they are saying, yeah, we are going to die. Night hyper, hyperbolic. They yeah. are saying they fully believe that they are completely helpless and they're about to die. Yeah. So, like, I've never been in that moment where I no. feel like I'm about to die, but that's really where they are. Yeah. Which is so important here because when we get to it at the end, it's like that's the exact same word. He When he yeah. says losing it, permanent destruction, same exact word that he quotes there. So Yeah, I, it's, I wonder, uh, as you look at this story, I wonder how long the disciples waited. Right, like so, they they're starting to be. Who knows? Maybe they set out. They're a little bit nervous. What if a storm shows up? Yeah. Storm does show up. Like, how quickly do they run to Jesus? Like, yeah. do they think he's gonna up? wake up? Like, yeah. he'll wake up. Like, I mean, yeah. he's like tumbling all over the place. Surely after that, yeah. they're that not like role. he's and they're not like yeah. hey, he hadn't drank anything. <laughs> he's not like passed out. So yeah, why is he not waking up? Like he's yeah. And so finally, verse twenty four. Like, I, at least in their minds, I imagine that it was like. Finally, let's just wake yeah. him up. So 24 says, and they went and woke him saying, Master, Master, why uh, we are perishing. And you had said the significance of whenever you see something twice, yeah. it's reiterated in Scripture, right? Yeah, this is probably the first time they really wanted him to be their master. <laughs> 
Right? Like, this is pretty significant. So, in before that, it even says, and they were filling with water and were in danger. Yeah. So, weird. I was like, I kind of figure out what that language is. Like, is the they the boat? Because it's yeah. kind of funny of going, and they were filling with water. I don't know what that means. I have no like, idea. Like, I don't know if it's like, yeah, I don't know if they're drowning. I don't know if this is like the, huh. you know, I don't know if this is the Leonardo DiCaprio thing. There's enough room for both of them to float. But I don't know what it was. But they were filling with water. It's like, oh, this is so messed up. And so then they go, and they go, master, master. Like, look. We, we've been skeptical, but right now yeah. you yeah. are Lord of all of it. Here it is. Have, a, have it's all you, right? This yeah. is this is that moment of complete and irreversible step of either they're going to die or this guy has to be able to be who he says he is. I feel like that's my question. In that moment, I can't help but wonder what were they thinking? Because when Jesus does what he does, when he calms the wind and the waves, they're they're amazed. But in that moment, were they thinking that he would? Do that? Were they thinking that he would just provide comfort? Do you, like it's complete spectacle? Uh, like, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We're speculation. We're, yeah. Speculation yeah, yeah, yeah. of what they are thinking, and so it's just kind of entertaining to almost think. I wonder what they was going through their minds as they're doing at this. that point. I mean, I think this, and honestly, this is so helpful for us in our faith and. Even as you journey with people who don't believe, and that's why you go, just keep loving them, keep walking beside them, keep asking the Lord to give them some awareness, because it is that. It is literally, like Paul says, you are ignorant to this. Not like an offensive way, you just didn't know. Yeah. You know, and even in this passage, how would they know unless someone says it? You know, like, yeah. it's like, it's all there in the scriptures. And so, it requires someone and everyone. The, 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 it starts with Jesus. He initiates it. But our move to salvation starts with us coming to the conclusion that we cannot save ourselves. That is foundational building block number one in terms of being having access to the kingdom of God. You and I cannot save ourselves. We have to come to that conclusion. So it actually helps us understand how God doesn't cause evil and pain in this world, but certainly how he's a good steward of those things. It's in those moments, right? I think about the moments in my life, in last year. The places that created the deepest pain are where I either had the choice to walk away or go and say, Master, Master, either you are Lord or this is all stupid. Yeah. It's all for naught, right? And so in this, it certainly seems like they are begging for salvation and salvation alone. Now, do they know that they're going to get it? Probably not, right? This is their last-ditch effort. This is, we have exhausted yeah. all of our options. We are emptied out of our options, which is so beautiful to think about empty like we we work so hard to never be empty like some of you will fill up your tanks when it's half a tank which seems really silly because you stop at the gas station way too much although i'll stop every single day and never put gas in my car until like i got like two miles left right but like we don't like being empty but the thing is is it's actually when you're completely empty when jesus can actually fully fill you up yeah. right and so this exhausting all the options they do and so they're going having exhausted all the options, right? They could not get the water out. Yeah. They just can't. And so that is actually, this is where salvation starts. And that's why I love that they start with master, master, meaning yeah. they are declaring that he is the boss of this. Yeah. Maybe they're saying it to try to you know help him feel good about himself. Or maybe they're saying it because they 100% confidently believe it. Or maybe they're saying it because they have no other option. Yeah. But they believe they're going to die. So they believe either he's going to die with them and they're waking them up to prepare him for it. Or they believe he's going to save them. Yeah. Those are the only two. This yeah. is very binary. Either you save us or we all die, including yeah. you, Jesus. Yeah. So. so continuing on in 24, it says, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he woke and rebuked the oh. wind and raging waves, and they ceased. Yeah. 
and it was calm. So we'll just pause there. Like you yeah, yeah, rebuked yeah. there. So you good. said rebuked was to assign value. To yeah, it? yeah. So it actually literally means to declare a value, but a lesson yeah. value. Like, like in this instance, it literally means to tell the storm it's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, to be honest with you, and I, I think it's fair to say this, we're 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 part of like a frozen chosen denomination. We're yeah. you know Presbyterian, which I love the theology, but we can get really heady and weighty in our theology, yeah. and not very. Um, demonstrative in the in our worship, right? And so we're really good at expository learning and li- uh, teaching. Not maybe so good all of us at expository living. And there is kind of a movement at our church right now towards more of the spirit-filled, charismatic, without the crazy for sure. And like one of the like the, the the one spearheading that on our staff, kind of the one who helps lead our staff is Megan Graff. You know, I don't think she'd mind me saying this. And I was going to say, like, I was talking to someone today. I was like, yeah, Megan, you should talk to Megan. She's more Pentecostal than I am. And I just kind of joke it around. But there is this thing. And one of the things that she will say over and over again, we rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Right, right. We rebuke that. Like, I mean, it's just, we rebuke that sickness in the name of Jesus. Like, kind of like, oh, that's so good. Because literally, it's not us who's doing it. It's Jesus. We are assigning that value. COVID has zero value compared to Jesus Christ, right? Like, this pain, or sorry, so we, this idea of rebuking Throughout the scriptures, this we are assigning this as not that valuable compared to the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is looking at the storm and goes, you have no power. You have no weight. And literally what it means, it's a weight. Your weight in gold versus my weight in gold is you equal nothing and I equal everything, right? And so that is literally what he's saying. And they would have understood that. They'd be like, he just said, oh, no, he didn't, right? Like yeah. he just told Mother Nature that she had nothing on him. <laughs> Yep, that's right. Mother Nature. Oh, Mother Nature's going to get so angry. Well, Mother Nature's not real. And Jesus is, right? And so he rebukes it. And then it says, it stopped. Yeah. It stopped. Like, there's some ways to think about there because this is where I really wanted to kind of camp out and for a second go, he is Lord of everything. Like, yeah. you know, there's the old adage either he's Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. And my grandmother said it. I agreed with it, but it felt a little cheesy for so long. But it, But it's so true. Like, yeah. If he's master and he's master and creator, that means he is master, master of all things, which means we got to start seeing him as master of the natural world. Guess yeah. what that includes? Every virus. So why are we not praying that Jesus would be master and Lord over this thing? Mm. Right? Like, why are we not laying hands on people going, in the name of Jesus, we rebuke this sickness, right? It literally says this in the scriptures. Hey, do you have sick? Bring them to the elders so they can lay hands and rebuke that stuff in the name of Jesus. So I'd go, hey, invite, allow us to do that. Raise your hand. Go, hey, there's something going on. Allow our elders to participate in that. So there's just there's just something in this. Like if these scriptures are true, yeah. which I believe they are, and what happens here is true, then it's evidence of Jesus Christ's power and it's evidence of yeah. The minimal effect and power that the natural world, and we've seen some massive storms yeah. that they have compared to Jesus. So it's so, so important that we see him tell the storm what to do and tell him that it has no value compared to him. So, and then it says, and the raging waves, really, really important, raging, yes. raging waves, right? He said it, and they ceased. Now, is that, I'm not telling you that if you ask God to heal your cancer, he's just going to speak to it and it's going to cease. Right. I'm not telling you that, but I'm telling you your options of trying to fight it on your own versus inviting the master and master of the universe in on the situation with you certainly seems like that should have some kind of effect. Yeah. Right? So I think something to consider in there, something I think we miss a lot in our 
deep, rich theology and deep intelligence, and we gotta kind of explain it all the way. They didn't go, no, Jesus, how exactly did you do that? Like, right, did you right. did you split up the Let's atoms? And, like, did you yeah. take out the one, one of the hydrogens, and now it's just HO? And you're like, see you later, HO. You're, you know, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know what he did, and I don't think they they didn't marvel at the the the, the thing they saw. They marveled yeah. at the one who did. It. Yeah. I, I, I can't help but wonder. I wonder in what tone Jesus did that. Like uh, yeah. in my mind, I see Jesus is just kind of ca- kind of calmly getting up, maybe yeah. like oh these disciples, like rolling yeah. his eyes a little bit and be like peace, be still, or whatever he speaks there you in don't, that moment. You don't imagine it's like the angry new dog owner whose dog pees on the floor, who he takes his nose <laughs> and rubs it in it. Like Jesus takes the storm and rubs it so. in the dark. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't think so. But yeah. I just can't help but like. Man, because there's there's two different perspectives here, right? There's the disciples, and then there's Jesus, right? Yeah. Like, there's such a contrast between the two, and this is the reality for our lives as well, right? Yeah. Like, when we get terrified, when we're scared, when we feel like we're perishing, where we're, our, this is um, permanent destruct destruction yeah. for us. I don't think God panics the way that we panic. <laughs> yeah. So you know, um. One of the guys who leads worship for us plays the guitar, Eric Blom. He, his family's out in the parking lot with you know more family, so fun to see. But one of the things about Eric that I always tell him is like, whenever I walk into a room that he's in, it just feels more peaceful, right? <laughs> like I walk in and there's Eric, and it's just like he's just calm. By the way, he's working really hard with Pfizer on these vaccines. So mm. praise God for people in our church figuring out how to help. Like so, yeah, so yeah, proud yeah. of him and others in our church on the front lines of that, right? God's using their gifts and promotion and marketing and yeah. science, all those things. But anyway, one thing that's really interesting is like, I think when like when I experience him, it's just like peaceful and calm. And I was like, Eric, I don't think people experience me the same way. I don't think they walk in and it's like, oh, Josh. And so like Zen, right? And so I, I think you're probably right here in that yeah. Jesus just ushered in peace everywhere yeah. he went, yeah. right? Ushered in peace. And so, I mean, obviously there's some examples in the temple of going, oh, there's some comfort the afflicted, afflicted the comfortable. These guys are not comfortable. So he's not going to offer them more affliction. Yeah. He's going to offer them comfort in their moment of affliction. So I right. think you're right. right. I think they might have even said, what did he say? I, what did he just say to that storm? Oh, wait, yeah, I couldn't quite right. hear. Like, what did you say, Jesus? I just said Abra to Jesus and stop, right? Right, right? But I can't use that anymore on stage because apparently I've used it a lot. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Anyway. So I can still use Abra Yahweh every now and then, but Abra Jesus. So I used to go, go, go Jesus arms. like, But that's yeah. from Inspector Gadget. I don't remember that. Nobody knows that, which is so weird because we all have Penny's watch now. But anyway. We so, do have Penny's watch. Yeah, let's anyway. focus back on yeah, this. Yeah, so uh, I do think that's interesting, and I think as – as you look at it, Jesus's response is peace. But maybe let me let me do this because um, I don't know if anybody has this question. Maybe I'm just reaching here. But you had just kind of spoke about, and this is completely off topic. You had spoken about hey, lay, calling the elders of the church to lay on lay hands. But then also you just praised somebody that's at Pfizer that's helping with the things. So how do we balance as believers those two? And I'm not sure if anybody's thinking that yeah. as we were discussing. And I would say like? this is the beauty of the gospel. It's not we don't have to balance anything. Balance is so overrated. Yeah. It, this idea that you have balance, I got to do that. No. Yeah. It, it, Balance means you got to manage by having things on both sides of, of the, the balance beam, right? That's exhausting. Yeah. It's not about that. It's about integrity. It's about being who you are always. Meaning, if you work as an engineer, you are you are ushering in Christ and shalom in that place. So, of course, you'd work your hardest and you'd give God your best. And if that's all God wants to bring healing is through yeah. what he's done there. This isn't balance. So you got church, you got this. It's like 
God has made you a whole person to be that whole person with him filling every part of you. This is why we get divided hearts because you, you have this on Sundays. You know, you have this on whatever night you go to small group and then the rest of the week you're like, okay, I did my church thing. I emptied my bucket. Now I'm going to go be the other person. It's like, no, no, no. So the beauty of this all is if you're going to be a politician, go be one. By the way, more of you should, but do it as Christ would do it, living in you. Like live as though Christ is living through you because He's living through you. So if you're going to work for a pharmaceutical company, work in a way that worships Jesus and praises Jesus for the fact that literally he's giving you a paycheck to go do this thing that you're good at and you're getting to change the world and you get to take care of your family. Like yeah. that's how it's supposed to be. So I think this idea of how do we balance it? Nope, nope. Just what yeah. you should do always is lean fully in wherever you are, knowing and acting and participating in the kingdom like Jesus is right there with you because because he is. Yeah. So. Sorry. Yeah, I think that it. Uh, the reality is, is that God can bring yeah. healing in many different forms. Yeah, we're talking to a doctor. Doctor yeah. Luke is the one making these assessments, yeah. and there are some times that you see how they respond. Like Paul actually offers a prescription for someone's yeah tummy ache. You know, like you said, did you consult Luke first on that? Because you just told him to drink some alcohol, bro. You yeah. know, like whatever that is. And so, but so it didn't just go in the name of Jesus heal yeah, the tummy right, ache, but right. he was laying hands on all sorts of people right. so we have to be spirit filled and spirit aware yeah. at all times sometimes yeah. he wants us to lay hands on the sick and declare healing sometimes he wants us to lay hand on the sick and pray that god would give real discernment on exactly what the next right steps are yeah. but both ways it involves inviting jesus into every part of the life right, right. so so jumping back thanks yeah, for yeah. indulging that. oh my pleasure um, for verse 25 so getting back to jesus who is believing that he's ushering peace here. So 25, if you're looking at this in a way that Jesus is kind of loving, he's not angry, he's not like, he is just kind of calm in the midst of this. Verse yeah, this isn't like rebuking. Yeah, this, yeah, verse 25 says, he said to them, where is your faith? Yeah, so it's interesting is you got some other times in scriptures where he says you're of little faith, right? Yeah, right. This is not one of them. He's actually asking them where it is, meaning, it's like if I ask you where are your keys, the reason I'm asking you where your keys are is because you have keys. Yeah. You just don't know where you put them, right? So this this is this is him pointing out that they have faith. Yeah. So he's just asking them where have they placed it? Like in this moment, this is tell you this is what's so brilliant about the scriptures. Like this is the hear about it and then think about it. Yeah. They just heard him speak this, and then he's gonna go. You're probably not thinking this yet. So let me ask you, where's your faith? Yeah. Like, how did you think this would go? Yeah. Like, did you think you'd be able to fight through the storm? Did you just think that you were going to die? Because those things are going to indicate where you placed your faith. Either you placed your faith in hopelessness, in yourself, and your inability, or you placed it in your boat. But obviously you've come to the conclusion that those things can't save you. So in this, he's asking where their faith is, implying that there is a better place to put their faith, which yeah. is just so important in every category. It's like all people are faith-filled. Yeah. Like, faith isn't just a religious thing. The initiating of Jesus starting our faith, when I mean that, I mean faith in him. You already had faith. 
and all sorts of things. You put it in your resume. You put it in your spouse. By the way, boy, does that create some pressure on them, right? You put it in your kids, vicariously through them. Boy, does that wreck some of us, right? You put it in your job. You put it in your house. You put it in all your accolades. You put it in you know what you were in the past in high school, right? You put it in all those things. And at some point, you come to the conclusion. So he's actually asking them to pause and consider, yeah. what was your conclusion about how you were going to get out of this? Yeah. What can't help you come to the point that you couldn't do it? Because where wherever that was is where your faith was. Yeah, it's almost this beautiful like timeout. Yeah, right? like Jesus, like there's like, like there's from chaos, Saved by the Bell. Like, you know, yeah. Uh, I yeah. never actually oh. watched that. show. Oh yeah, you're homeschooled. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. I, I watch godly shows. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what shows are godly, but anyway, uh, like taught you to be judgy. It's <laughs> it's like Jesus kind of says timeout, like yeah. in the midst of a situation, um, in the midst of fear and panic. He goes, wait, 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 like. Where's your faith right now? Like, and, and I don't know. I feel like I, I can't think of a specific time, but there's been times or moments where I've been in the middle of chaos or storm or difficulty or whatever. And in, in one moment, it's like, hey, where's your faith right now? And it's like, ooh. Yeah. It hits different. So I've been really hits. wrestling with this. I shared this with staff. One of my mantras, and, it, and it's silly, is I, I like Dave Ramsey always says, you know, the tortoise always wins. And the story of the tortoise is the hare, right? The tortoise, the slow-going tortoise always wins. And he'll talk about how it's slow and steady wins the race. And I'm like, no, that's not what it's about. That's what I always say. It's like, no, the hair would have won if the hair just would have been focused, right? It isn't that the hair moved too fast. It's that the hair stopped and did other things instead of just stayed the course. So the the story of the, the parable of the, the moral of that story is focus, not slow and steady. So I've been sitting with the Lord going, is that true? Or am I just obnoxious and I just like my pace? And I really do feel like the Holy Spirit said to me yesterday, which is so nice, speaking so clear. It feels like mm-hmm. even feel weird saying it so confidently. We're like, but it's true, so but I shouldn't feel weird saying it. And I feel like you said to me, Josh, it's not about your pace. It's about your space. In other words, like it's not that I move fast that's the problem. What he wants from me is between those movements mm-hmm. that I take space to recharge and listen and even in, let me give you an example. Even in how I preached it this Sunday, it's like, we got to keep going. Clock's running, literally. So I got this yeah. pace. But it would have been nice to go, ooh, you see this in verse 25? He said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid. Yeah. We think, that's just a real quick thing, we just kept on going. But could that have been an hour? Mm, yeah. Right? Like, how much longer is the boat ride? Yeah. Did he just ask that question? Because if you look at this, he doesn't say anything else doesn't say anything else. He just says, where's your faith? See, I need to get us to Luke chapter 9 and go, here's what, here's how this shapes out. Here's the, what we need to do when we're perishing. Really wanted to highlight that. But in this moment, this thing, they're the next ones to talk, not Jesus. So he asked the question. He spoke, and now they hear about it. Now they get to think about it. Honestly, this could have been... A couple hours. I feel like as I'm looking at it, knowing it's a sailboat, Jesus just, everything ceased and it was calm. Does that mean they sat on the lake? Like, if yeah. there's no wind, uh, like, Jesus just took away the wind. Like, hey, Jesus, uh, how about a little bit uh, of wind? We should have asked, yeah, we should have asked him to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't know, but yeah, so. But yeah. But I think there's probably some space there to actually ask that question, which is probably what needs to happen at some point. That's why I yeah. did want to go, okay, let's just pause for a second. I'll give you 45 seconds. You know, that's really what <laughs> I was like, oh, I think I was only 35. I didn't count. Yeah. Are other people counting? Like so much stuff going on in my head. But anyway, so there is something about just considering it because yeah. he's making a pretty deep theological statement there of going, okay, did you do kind of a self-assessment? Where did you place your faith? Yeah. Right? So it was pretty interesting. And then they actually think about it. And you see what they do next? They speak about it. Yeah. And what do they say? Who then 
is this. See what they're doing there? They're talking about the king of the world. Who is this? This. Their response is that talk about him. They've heard about it. They've thought about it. And the next thing out of their mouth to each other is going, who is this man, right? Like that he commands even the winds and and the water. And they obey him. Like they are seeing him as creator God. Like so they're having this conversation. And one of them finally speaks up. And they're going, yeah. Do you see this? It says, they say to one another. You know what that means? That this is a conversation about this. Yeah. And we're like, guys, we got to do this. We got to do this as we wrap up the church service, right? Yeah. yeah. You got to go to lunch. You got to pause. You got to talk to your spouse or your kids. You got to start asking these questions because there is a natural response when you pause to think about what Jesus just said. You think about it and then you start to speak about it. And as you speak about this and wrestle through it with one another, which is what they're doing, they're speaking and wrestling through. Guess what they're doing? They're bringing about this new worldview in their own lives and firming up that with the resolve of these things. So like when I told you these things, hear about it, think about it, speak about it, bring about it, it's going down, that's cute and quippy, but is it true? And I'm like, look at the yeah. scriptures. We're literally seeing this over and over again. So I don't know what category you're in right now. Maybe you just heard this and now you got to go pause this. Like it's okay. We should pause more often. And that's yeah. the beauty, by the way, for those of you who join us online. Hmm. Just pause. Just pause wherever you want to. Pause, rewind, whatever, and think about it. Like if God's going to give us the gift of going to church in our living rooms with access and control to a screen, then let's take advantage of it in the way we think about this. Consider it. Pause. Ask the question to your spouse. Bring your kids into the conversation because we see it happen here and go, who is this then? Because even these things obey him. Really, really neat, I think. Lots to consider there. So uh, we do have a question that I want to get to and see that we've got about 10 minutes left. Um, But then you ended in Luke 9, 24. So kind of skipping ahead um, to what will probably be several weeks from now. Um, And Luke 9, 24, I'll just go ahead and read that. For us, as I, it says, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And you talked about that word lose there is that same, same word perishing. perishing. It's so, like, oh my goodness, these scriptures. They yeah. tell him they're perishing, and he's going to come back and bring up the same word about perishing. So, I don't know. Maybe for them, that since they've start thought and considered what they said to him, are they seeing these two words together? Are they seeing what it's like to be in a spot where you feel like you're going to lose your life yeah. and then cling to Jesus? Probably so. Yeah. Right? So this is pretty neat. So, yeah, I, I struggle with just you know, pulling out and plucking out a couple of verses because you don't get the whole context. But in this thing, what we see is Jesus kind of tells us the way by which this happens. Mm-hmm. When you say, when you try to gain your own life, guess what ends up happening? You lose it. When you come to the conclusion that you've lost it and that you are perishing and you submit that and you go master, master, what ends up happening is you now gain his life. Like, yeah. So what we saw is this kind of plays out. And so Jesus, after he sends them out, we'll talk about it, he's now going to have this debriefing moment. There's some neat things. And he's going to remind them of this. Think you're perishing? That's okay. Because that's where you cling to the one who has eternal life. When you think you're in control, that's where things are going to get bad. Mm -hmm. Because you are going to find out real quick that you're not near as in control as you think you are. Because control is an illusion, right? And so really, really pretty neat to think about in the way that he does that yeah and you said that perishing is what activates the disciples and it also should for us like yeah. I, I thought that that's really interesting it's the things that create tension that really yeah. get our attention you you talked about that in the last few weeks yeah so, so perishing is the doorway yeah pain is the doorway oh my goodness i've come to this conclusion so that's why funerals are a doorway to consider yeah yep we're definitely uh mortal yeah. that's why divorce is a doorway yep 
Relationships are really broken. That's why addiction is a doorway. Wow. I know I've clung to something that I thought would please me, and now I'm a slave to it. Those are all doorways to say, I am perishing. Jesus says, whoever gets to that conclusion, nails in the spot to save their life because they can't, but he can. So, so beautiful. Now it gives us a better understanding of where pain and sorrow in our world comes from. Jesus is still at work in it. So. So before kind of give opportunity for any last final thoughts, I do want to get to the question um, by one of our avid listeners. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, it kind of started with a compliment. Great sermon. Thanks. Uh, my um, pleasure. And here's Pulls the question. Shoes, it yeah. says, I know people whose faith seems stronger, richer, fuller than mine. And James 2.22 seems to say that Abraham's faith was completed by his actions. Could my faith be incomplete? If so, what actions should I take? Great, great question. You know, I, I saw that on my phone yesterday. I don't even remember where it was. I thought, oh, I need to think about that. And the first thing I thought about was actually Hebrews 11, where it actually talks about how their faith wasn't fully seen, right? Yeah. So it's like, okay, he says it's completely not fully seen. I need to go put an overlay on those. I didn't get to it. So I uh, don't have any really good answers there. But I, I do understand what James is talking about. This is really, really good. Jesus' little brother explains to us kind of the relationship between faith and works, right? Yeah. So he, he will say in these same passages, faith without works is dead. He also tells us whoever asks for wisdom gets wisdom. One reason you don't get wisdom is because you ask not or because you ask for the wrong motives. So like really deep things. By the way, he also tells us in that true religion is care, taking care of orphans and widows. So there's all this stuff about wisdom and the actual practice of it. So what in the world is he talking about specifically for Abraham? What is he talking about? Is Abraham's faith more complete than ours? Possibly, right? And so then we have to go, okay, what is he actually trying to hint at, at this passage? What he's talking about here, I think. I mean, there's lots of places. Abraham get to see his faith, the results of his faith many ways. Go to the land, I'll show you, right? I'll give you a son, as many as the stars. I don't know that he saw as many as the stars, but he definitely saw Isaac, right? But I think in this one, specifically what we're looking at is when God tells Abraham to offer his son, Isaac, right? Like as a, yeah. as a sacrifice, which by the way, that's our job with our children to actually offer them like to back to the Lord, right? And trust them to him. So that's what they're doing here. And many of you have heard that pastor go, not that big of a deal. I mean, he's just going to slaughter his son. I mean, if he's a teenager, completely understand. Whatever that is, I joke. It, it, very, very, very inappropriate joke. But anyway, but what we see in that passage, Abraham obeys. In fact, it's so broken because the, the boy, who's a teenager, by the way, or bigger, he's carrying the wood up there, is literally laying himself on the altar. By the way, I believe. This is just as much for Isaac as it is for Abraham because Isaac is going to have Jacob, the you know the God of Jacob, and so it's going to be something really, really important that the nation of Israel is going to be established. So this is really this is an all-encompassing. God's doing a lot of stuff, but one of the things we know He's doing is He is He's allowing Abraham to see the fruit of his faith, right? Yeah. So he goes to slaughter him, you know, like literally. Abraham Isaac keeps asking Abraham, "Hey, where's the where's the lamb? I'm, you know, where's the sacrificial lamb?" And he keeps saying, "A ram." He keeps saying God will provide it. He's just thinking he's about to murder his son. He actually tells us later on in, in the New Testament that he actually thinks he's going to kill him and that God will resurrect him. So his faith was, I'm going to kill this boy, but God will resurrect him. That's what it tells us. So he was going to go through th- with this. And then this moment as he raises up, gets stopped, he goes, Abraham, Abraham, don't do this. And then we see that, you know, the ram and the thorns, they make that slaughter and they make this beautiful declaration. And in that, James is going, in Abraham's faith is complete. So the question is, is my faith incomplete versus Abraham's faith complete? Maybe. If you've heard from God and not done what he said yet. Right? So the beauty of this isn't that some people have stronger or greater faith. It's binary. Either your faith has action to it or it does not. 
Faith without action, without works, is dead, meaning it's not real faith because you'll never see the evidence of it. The way that I always describe it, it's like the bungee cord when you're up on the tower and you're about to jump. How do you know the bungee cord works? You don't until you jump. It's like sitting in a plane and about to jump out of an airplane with the backpack. How do you know the parachute's going to open and save you? You don't until you jump. So when does that parachuter's faith in the backpack, in the parachute, when is it complete? When he's on the ground. Yeah. Right? And so the reason that... Safely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. With, you know, like, Safely. Yeah, like not swollen ankles, not broken bones. He's there, you know, probably wet himself, but that's okay. Right? And so in all this stuff, what we can understand is what he's saying is that Abraham's faith is complete because he saw it through. Yeah. Right? And so... You're asking, how do I live with complete, like that kind of complete faith? Simple. You hear from God and then actually do what he says. That means the next time he tells you to walk across the room, or you think he's told you to walk across the room, you should do it. Why? One, because God told you to, and he's at work in something. The second reason is because that's what actually makes your faith complete and grows it stronger. And that's why you'll see people who can move across the country or move to Africa or leave all their stuff. Why? It didn't start that way. It started with a baby step of, I'm just going to ask God to come through. And then I like, you know, like, hey, God, would you, would you help me understand this passage? Would you send me to a church that I need to be at? Would you give me a friend? Would you, whatever it is, like in those things and hear from God, open up scriptures, go, you tell me to love my neighbor. I'm going to go make a meal for my neighbor, right? It starts with baby steps. And then the cumulative effect is little by little, day by day, your faith continues to grow stronger. So I just would offer over and over again, the only real call in the scriptures in terms of faith and leadership is to hear from God. Well, how do you hear? From God's word and then do what he says. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing comes from the word of Christ. So how do you open up, listen to the word of Christ, and then do what it says? As you do that, like Abraham, your faith will be complete. Uh, thank you. Thank you for submitting that question. Thanks for taking yeah, great the time question. to do that. Um, we've got a couple minutes left. Was there anything else that you wanted to share or anything that was left kind of on the cutting room floor from this weekend? Um, no, I think, I think I would just, again, reiterate, highlight the significance of the perishing piece. Like, may we gain awareness, may you and I, gain awareness of how we are perishing, right? Really, really important. And that takes some real courage. And so what I would challenge you to do is go, God, would you give me awareness of how much I need you? And then would you give me the courage to actually lean into you, right? So Proverbs 3 in the Old Testament, Solomon, wisest man in the world, who didn't do this all the time, kind of lands going, you have to trust in the Lord with all your heart and you can't lean on your own understanding, right? In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight, right? So if you're going, I don't know what to do. Okay, well, how do you lean in fully to God? So I just would uh, reiterate that. And last thing I'd tell you is, you may have noticed this past week, um, the very end, I just, I was afraid to pause and consider, and then I actually just gave some steps to the gospel, right? Yeah. Um, I've shared this a couple of different places, but want to share it here. That would that'll just be a common cadence on the third Sundays. Just realizing if we don't actually put on a calendar. There's a lot of things I'll tell you. It's really good to put on your calendar because it's a lot more likely to happen. So on the first Sunday of the month, what we do is we always do communion, except for the Easter. We won't be doing the second Sunday. Uh, Just time constraints. Um, uh, Second Sunday is always when we do baptisms. So that's both baby and adult. By the way, some of you, that's the next right step, right? Mm -hmm. For many of you, many, many, I'm talking about dozens in our church, maybe hundreds in our church that have heard from Christ decided to follow Christ, but never followed through with his command to go and 
be baptized, right? Not that it saves you, but there's something about that declaration. So many of you, your very next step in faith is just actually to get baptized, right? And so it would challenge you with that. Uh, but that's always the second Sunday every single month. You can let us know. You can email info. You can text us. Go, I'd like to talk about baptism. You can email Gary directly at Gary at cscfamily.church. He kind of covers that. And then the third Sunday of every single month, we just pause at the end and walk people through the gospel and invite them to begin a relationship with him. So if you got people in your life and you're not quite ready to share it personally, we're going to challenge you with that. <laughs> Next couple of weeks, we're really going to challenge you with that. But just know that the third Sunday of every single month, We'll pause, explain the gospel. So got a grandson, got a, got a neighbor, whatever that is. Really good time to invite them to tune in with you and all this kind of thing. So that's what you'll notice there. That will be a pretty common part of the cadence. So just wanted to kind of clue you in on those things. So join us on the first Sunday for communion, second Sunday to celebrate or maybe participate with baptisms and baby dedications. Really, really probably my favorite Sunday of the month as we love our family and celebrate what God's doing in our family. So that just wanted to give you that information since you've stayed in and joined us for the whole thing. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us. We really do hope that this challenges and encourages you. Um, that pretty much wraps up our, our uh, 75th episode. So wow. if you ever do have questions, whether it's in regard to the weekend message or just questions that you're walking through, questions that you're curious, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at overtime at clcfamily.church or simply text us. Text us. The number is 610-869-2140. We'd love to hear from you. We love when you, our listeners, kind of help produce what we will be talking about Absolutely. on the show. So please let us know. We love you. We hope you have a blessed week and hope to see you around. Bye-bye.